0: Hello. We at Grace Covenant Church in Gunnison, Colorado are grateful and humbled that we get to be part of your sanctification today. We invite you to review our sermons online, but also stress the importance of being joined to a biblical local church, the life of the church, and the spiritual gifts God has given us to express in the church. Our website is www.gracegunnison.com. There you can find sermons and other resources, as well as our location and service times. The members of Grace Covenant Church Gunnison pray that the following messages will be a blessing to you. All right. And we have been looking at the last two weeks a a proper kingdom perspective. And last week we looked at worldliness, and this week we are going to be looking at uh, worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety. And I know this probably doesn't apply to you, but maybe you can pass this along to someone else who will deal, who deals with worry. So, is are there any worriers here? Oh, I, I, there's one honest person here. Do, do I need to baby preach on honesty this morning? Remember, uh, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. So let me ask you again: Are there any worriers here today? Okay, a few more honest people. There you go. All right. And I'm glad the children didn't raise their hand, because that's probably a sermon itself, too. That, you know, there's a time in our life where worry doesn't affect us when we're little. Somehow it invades our minds at some point. I don't know when that age is, but I thought about that as I asked some young people that this week about worry and how our age determines a lot of that. But Jesus taught... Le- Last week, we were looking at earthly treasure, and Jesus taught that He was teaching on earthly treasure, right? Don't lay your treasures up on earth, but lay your treasures up in heaven. Well, to the same extent, He says, don't worry about those treasures either. That's what He's going to tell us about today. Don't be anxious about earthly things of this life. Worldliness, as we spoke on last week. And if you didn't hear that, it's you can go to the website and listen to that sermon on worldliness. But worldliness, many times, actually leads to worry. These things go hand in hand as we worry over earthly possessions and worldly things. And then we begin to dwell on them excessively. But the heart of the matter here is that our focus is in the wrong place. Jesus is speaking about the heart of the matter, really throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. He's aiming it directly at our heart. He's, he's, he's pulled the bow back and he shot the arrow and, and it, it never misses its mark. And the heart of the matter here, within this part of the sermon, is that our life is out of order. Our life becomes dysfunctional when, when it's not focused on God where it needs to be. And so he's trying to reorder our life, if you will, with this sermon. Worry paints a big flashing red sign upon a person that screams out, out of order. I don't know about you, but as I was growing up, there was arcades and things, and you could go and and play the games when you were a kid. And, And a lot of times your favorite game would be broken. It would be dysfunctional, and it would have a big sign that said, out of order. You have to go to the other one. Well, that's really what, in essence, what worry is telling us. That something is drastically out of order. And so Jesus wants to correct us, to redirect us to the right path, to think his thoughts after him and not the way of the world, not the the way of our fallen, depraved nature leads, but the way that God directs. So let's read the text together. Matthew 6. I'm in the wrong book. Not in Mark. Matthew 6. So We're going to start on verse 25 and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus is speaking. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried And who of you, by being worried, could add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, that they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself excuse me, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. thus ends the reading of, this word, of his word this morning. And let's pray this morning before we begin. I, I want to use a a Puritan prayer from the Valley of Visions to to start us as as we go into this scripture. Bow with me this morning. All wise God thy never failing providence orders every event sweetens every fear reveals evil's presence lurking in what is seemingly good brings real good out of Seemingly evil. Makes unsatisfactory what I set my heart upon. To show me what a short-sighted creature I am. And to teach me to live by faith upon thy blessed self. Grant me the favor of being led by thee. Under the direction of thy providence and thy word. I believe in thee as the God of nature. The ordainer of providence and the sender of Jesus, my Savior. Lord, may Your Spirit come, and for the good of Your people, may You speak through me. And may You bring power through Your Word proclaimed that to, into our hearts, into our souls, and may You sanctify them this day by Your grace and through Your Word. I ask this, in the name of Jesus, and for His sake, amen. As we look to this familiar text, I believe it probably is. He says, do not worry, Jesus says. He gives us a command, do not worry. Well, It should be kind of in the story, right? Let's just do that. Well, He knows the propensity that we have. He knows the, the struggles that we have. He knows our frame. But this is a serious problem, worry. It's one that each of us must face. The Lord does not permit His people to worry. i say that again. He does not permit His people to worry. He actually forbids it. It is a sin. What we think about it, we say this is a a problem area of my life. We don't like to say, well, it's a sin because many times we dwell in it. We, we tend to put it in a category by itself over here of, of respectable sins. I know the ladies went through a book on respectable sins. I don't know if Jerry Bridges covered that. actual did, did a topic. So we have these sins where, of course, murder is heinous and, and stealing and we don't do that. But, but I have outbursts of anger. I have envy towards My neighbor and and I have worry and everybody does that, so it's in my respectable category. Well, there's no such thing. We make these categories up. Many worry, I think we've discovered that as I asked this morning. I think of the poor. They, They fret because they don't have enough the the rich they worry cuz they might lose what they have or somebody may take it the old worry because they're facing death and the certainty of it the sunset of life the young they worry because they're facing life <laughs> and the uncertainty of that as we get older we worry that we may get older and then we worry that we may not. <laughs> so it's just constant ebb and flow of our cycles of worry. But to worry, as a Christian, is to be what James calls a double-minded man, or a double-minded woman. It is a practice that does not fit our praxis Meaning it's a, it's a, what we do does not live up to what we say we believe when we engage in this. I want to look at this from two headings this morning. First, I want to see foolish concerns. And then I want to see the proper concern. I hope that the Lord will help us with this. And so first we need to realize our foolish concern is, is self-evident right is is worry that we are anxious about all these things but we must ask well what is it what is i mean i think we know what worry is it's something we know when we see it but let's define it first of all he is speaking here in relation to self-absorbed concerns notice he says do not worry about your 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 i i i mean So when we think about worry being inordinate or excessive concern, worry to be defined as this, the definition that I found is mental and emotional uneasiness, distress, and agitation. It is defined as a feeling of anxiety. Well, now we must define anxiety. Anxiety, the definition that I found in Webster's, it says this, it's intense fear resulting from anticipation of a threatening event. Notice it's not fear of an event but of it's an anticipation of event. So it may or may not happen. <coughs> That's what worry and anxiety is. It may, this may happen. It's not Seeing something needs to be happening and, and addressing it and going after it. It's brooding over something. It's been said that most, the majority of things that we worry about never come to pass. I'm reminded of, of one headstrong woman. And she said this. She says, don't tell me that worry doesn't work. Most of the things I worry about have never come to pass. Therefore, that was her justification. You know, her worrying prevented those things to happen. But we must see what is occurring in the soul, in the mind, when worry is present. What is really happening? For one thing, it demonstrates where our confidence is. It's where our trust or lack of is, right? When we think about worry, we need to to get to the, the bottom of it. If we just hit superficially... We're not going to help the situation. But when worry occurs, it means that we have put something else before God. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, what is that called? Idolatry. No longer is this a respectable sin now, right? Idolatry. We have become idol makers. And there again, flash those red lights. I I want this to be a... A word picture that you see when worry comes on, flashing red lights, out of order. That's what it's showing you. So, what do I do about it? Well, stay tuned as we continue through this passage. But we must see, too, why is it foolish? I've told you it's a foolish concern. Jesus told us a foolish concern. In fact, he's going to tell us three reasons. And as I looked at his sermon, Jesus preaching here I saw three reasons why it is foolish and I'll name them first and we'll look at them one it's useless two it's needless and three it's paganish let me show you what I mean first of all useless it's, it, it accomplishes nothing who, I mean, who has ever seen worry accomplish anything no, it doesn't. In fact, verse 27, he tells us, he says, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Actually, it has more of a tendency to take an hour away. But I don't know if that's even justified either. Because God has ordained the days before us, as we sang about. But it's useless. It can't add, so why would we do it? Fretful anxiety is never productive. It's never helped you accomplish anything. Now people will excuse it and just say, "Well, my fretting and get, made me prepared for that situation." No, it didn't. It just took your strength away, so you were less able to deal with it when it came. Think about it. When I'm, if I'm using t- tomorrow's strength to deal with today's problem, when tomorrow's problem comes, I'm I'm out of breath. My muscle glycogen has gone away. I have no strength to stand under that load that I would have had. So it's useless. Secondly, it's needless. He uses natural revelation, nature, to explain. Jesus, as a preacher, used his creation, a sparrow, a bird, to preach to us. Look at the birds. I've never seen a fretting bird. Now, birds don't sit in their nest, unless they're babies, and just say, Lord, feed me. They they go and they search, but the Lord provides. So he's not saying, you know, you just sit on a, bump lo- on a bump in a log and God will provide. No, he says, go do your work. But let, let God worry about how, he'll pro- how he will provide. That's not your job. We think it is because, in essence, what have we done? We've put ourselves in the place of God. We've somehow lifted ourselves to the throne and, and our minds removed who is on the throne. Worry about what might happen. How silly that is when we think about it. We do it all the time. I, I, I listen. The, your your pastor is as guilty, or more so than you are. Ask my wife. Trust me. I deal with struggle with worry. I I, I was thinking about illustrations on dealing with worry in the in the world around us and in our in our job situation and providing for families and realizing that I worry about God's church. How foolish, as his pastor, is, as, as if somehow I am holding... No, I am just to serve him for today. And throughout the week and the ebb and flow, I, I see my... I'm just going to confess to you how foolish it is. I, I get to Sunday and the Lord provides... Hopefully, you think he provides what you need and what he wants to tell us. And then Monday comes around, and, I, and I'm, I'm more out. And then Tuesday comes around, and I I see the next text. And I think, Oh Lord, how I, I'm not sufficient for this. I, I don't know what I'm going to say here. And Wednesday, it's you know it's hopeless. I, I, you shouldn't even meet me a preacher. And Thursday the same, and then somehow Friday it starts to come together, and and Sunday is is. It's fine because God takes care of me. And then Monday I go through it again. It's, it's foolish. Any of, any of you guys experience the same? I know you're not doing what I am, but we could relate that. I mean, in my last profession, I was a horse trader, And I would have to put two years into a horse before they even showed the first time. And so you, you work a little bit each day and then a little bit the next day. But if I were to fret about the two years before to come, I would think I need to get it all in today, I would ruin my project, whatever the project may be. So we can see this in all aspects of our lives. But like I said before, worry is usually about something that might happen. There's an illustration I heard that I thought was very helpful. So there was a farmer, and he raised chickens. And this farmer had a rooster, because he raised chickens, and Occasionally he would crow and this crowing greatly annoyed the neighbor. And early one morning this disgruntled neighbor calls the farmer out mad as all get out and he complained and he says that miserable bird of yours keeps me up all night. And the farmer replied well very kindly he says I, I don't understand. He, he hardly ever crows But if he does, it's never more than two or three times I'm so sorry. And the neighbor says, that's not my problem. He says, it's not my problem how often he crows that irritates me so. What keeps me awake is not knowing when he might crow. (laughs) Angry that this might happen. And here, losing sleep over it, but how much are we like that neighbor? Worry sick about distressing circumstances that could arise tomorrow. Rather than living each day for that day. Rejoicing in the Lord's sufficiency for the present. One theologian says we become anxious by borrowing trouble from the future. One other one from an investment, investment uh, terminology said worrying is paying interest on troubles that may never come due. Hmm. So we should cease foolishly waiting for that rooster to crow. (laughs) Cease worrying about if he may. And then not only is it worry useless and needless, but it's paganish. Where do I get that? Well, he says, for the Gentiles, meaning the unbelievers, they worry about these things. And they get all up and tied about these. these the, the ones who are orphans, who have no heavenly Father, they worry about that. But this is not you. You have a heavenly Father. So why are you acting as if you did not? Here's what He's telling them. In fact, Jesus began the discourse, if you look at verse 25, notice how He begins, and I, I, I really wanted to begin earlier because He says, for this reason, or the word actually could be chosen, therefore. Well, for what reason, Lord? Okay, let's go back. He said, for this reason, because you are no longer focused on worldliness. Remember from the passage before. He said, you are no longer storing up treasures on earth, but you're storing up treasures in heaven as a disciple of Christ. That you now have one master. Remember, he says you cannot serve two masters. You have one. Now, if he's my master, what am I? I'm his slave. Doulos. Kurios means Lord. He's my master. And doulos means slave. I am his. So why should I worry that my master will provide those things? He is a good master. And I trust him. So this therefore, or this for this reason means do not worry for I am your master. I am your heavenly father. So he's given us a exhortation here that don't be like the pagans. Remember, worry cannot add, add anything. So we must look at, so worry is a, a, a fruit sin. And I've talked to you about this before. We have root sins. If we trace back, name a sin, you can trace it back to some root sins. And three of the major ones are idolatry, which I just mentioned, unbelief, and pride. Pride. It's all about me. Pride. Really, worry gets all of those. If you think about it, it's unbelief, it's idolatry, and it's focused on me. So it hits them all. But let's look at the living roots of sinful anxiety. And I want to show you this threefold root. If we don't deal with the root... We're never going to have the problem extinguished, right? It's just another fruit's going to pop up. We've got to deal with the root. So number one is this. It is distrust or ignorance of God's character. This means who He is. So we've already read in the passage that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. But this is, this is what worry says to our Heavenly Father. This is what we're communicating it could be one of these strings, these three things. He, God, doesn't know. Okay? That's, I think that's what we're saying. Or it says, he doesn't care. Or it says he is unable to aid me. That's what we're saying, okay? So he's no power. So this is a blatant attack on God's nature, on his character. So think about his, let's just name a few. His omniscience. Okay, this means he is all knowing. He is all knowing. Nothing that you discover is somehow you discovered outside of God's knowledge. In fact, he allowed you, you revealed whatever you know, he's given you. So we act like he doesn't know. How foolish. He knows all. Or it's an attack on his loving kindness, his mercy. His covenant love for you and I. He died for us. Surely, he'll take care of me. It's also an attack on his omnipotence. That means his all-powerfulness. So to say that he's not able to. Are you kidding me? He spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was. And you think, and I think, that he can't take in my little Tear my little problem over here? That's, just, that's the foolishness that we engage in, do we not? And His providence. It's an attack on His providence. Well, well God, I would do it this way. Who are you, old man, to tell God? He, he is, everything is in His order and His timing, and I need to trust in His providence, not question it. So, in essence, Worry is when man, you and I, mere mortals, question the nature of God. Who He is. That's what it is. It is who He is as the great I Am. As the Alpha and Omega. The God of heaven and earth. Worry questions the I Am. Hmm. That should humble us, I hope. It does mean. Secondly, besides distrust and ignorance... The second root is a misunderstanding of the implications of salvation, of the salvation of God. It's a misunderstanding of questioning the God who brings salvation. So, the greatest miracle ever is is not creation, although that is a miracle, it is not the, the birth of a newborn, although that's a miracle. The greatest miracle is to take a sinner, gone in his own way, and by the grace of God, convert them to saving faith, to make a new creation. That is the greatest miracle. And so to misunderstand the salvation of God, you see, if God has saved me and brought me out of death, He can provide for me. He he can keep me and provide a little food on the table and something on my back. He can provide those things. I shouldn't have to worry about those things. God gave up His own Son. Putting His own Son in my stead, will He not continue to care for me? It's, 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 this is what we do. We become practical deists. And for those of you who don't know what that means. So a deist believes that, falsely, he believes that God created the world and then just, boom, sent it out there and it's, it's going to take care of itself. The laws of nature and all that will just... No. God controls everything that happens at every time it happens. I, I like what R.C. Sproul said. It's probably not the right quote, but he said, uh, there's no rebellious molecules in the universe. Smallest thing. There's no rebels out there. he, He is working all of those things. So a practical deist says this about my salvation. Wrongly. He saved me by His grace and by faith. And then, okay, you're on your own now. Go on. No. God doesn't do any of those things. But that's what our practical outworkings Tell Him when we worry. He who spared not His own Son, will He not give us all things that we need? Yes, He will. He he who provided such a great salvation, will He not provide the lesser things? In fact, God is speaking to us, Jesus is, in terms of the lesser to the greater. I mean, if He cares for a sparrow, you made in the image of God? He, he, yes. Like it should be a given, but we question it. So third root that we get to is this. We question the validity of God's promises. Did God really say? Remember in the garden? Did God really say? Yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. We can take it to the bank. What God says in His Word will happen. What God says He will do, He will do. The God's, What God wills will come to pass without a question, without a doubt. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And so we can trust in Him. But we, what, what happens when worry comes is we're, we're questioning that. We're questioning God's providence. Uh, study God's providence. I... I, I I'm tempted to even do a sermon on it because I I love to think about God's providence. Read the Puritans on God's providence. It's it's a blessing to your soul. Uh, Providence is the the sweetest pillow that you will ever lay your head upon. To know that my God is controlling what happened last week and last year and a decade ago and he knows what's going to happen tomorrow and he loves me. (laughs) Yeah. It's a glorious doctrine. To those that fight against that doctrine, they don't know what they're missing. But to sum up our problem, Jesus exclaims it in much fewer words than I just gave. Ye have little faith. There's the problem, right? Maybe I didn't need all those words. Ye have little faith. But now what? Okay, I've, I've, I've probably thoroughly exposed the problem. Okay, I, I've got this problem. Now what? Help me. Okay, now what? Jesus tells us. He doesn't, I love that He doesn't, as a Heavenly Father, He doesn't leave us, give us a command. No, He gives us a command, and then He tells us all about why. In fact, you see in Scripture, um, theological term, what's called indicatives, and imperatives, so imperative means a command, do this, are always based on the indicatives of what God has done. They're not just, do this because I said so. Do this because of, what, of who I am and what I've accomplished, God says. And these beautiful truths, and now they all come together. But the answer is not this. It's not just believe more. Just pull yourself up. Just do it. That's the knife he says, right? No, that's not the answer. The answer is not just rid yourself of worry. Just cease. You can't. What is the answer? What? There is an answer. And there is an antidote. There is a cure. And it's right here in Scripture. It's right here in front of us in verse 33. But, so... The first command is the negative. Don't. In fact, he gives us several times. Do not worry. But. Here it is. Seek first. His kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first. First things first. Now, I've read this many times. I think I've passed over it. Not engaging it uh, I saw it as a maybe a platitude a, a good saying seek first oh, of course yes yeah, seek first but it hit me this week this is the answer this is the answer to the problem of worry you see when worry pops up it is testing our faith it's showing us that we have little faith right But what he's doing is he's trying to redirect our attention off of me, off of you, yourself, and put it upon him. To seek first him and his righteousness, to redirect your focus. My focus is on the wrong spot. And it takes us back to the last passage from last week. Where is your treasure? Is it here? Well, that's in the wrong place who is your master is it you I pray it's not if you're not in Christ you are your own master you're leading yourself to damnation he says seek him first God will not sit in second place he will not in fact if he is in second place he is in no place You can say, I've made a place over here for Jesus. He won't move into your spare bedroom. I hear people in the newer age churches, well, God is my co-pilot. No, he's not. In fact, if you're sitting in the cockpit with him, you're in the wrong place. No. He steers the ship. He writes the ship. He is the ship. Seek first Him. Worry shows us something of our focus. Worry is not your problem. Worry is a symptom. In fact, if we look at modern medicine, they much of them, I hope there's no doctors in here, but are addressing the symptom of the problem instead of the problem. And therefore, as Christians, we ought not do that either. We need to Find the problem, realize that this is a symptom. Now, the world will take care of your, your symptom. You, you have anxiety? Here's an anti anti-anxi- anxiety. I got a little white pill for you. You gotta a lot. I got to worry. Oh, I got a solution for that. Those are not solutions. Those are dealing with a symptom, pretending like that is some sort of brain problem. It's a spiritual problem. And you and I are infected with it. But God gives us the answer here. He's telling us that our, the symptom is your priorities are out of order. Get your priorities in the order that I've directed. Seek first me. Seek first me. Here is the cure right here in this text. You, I promise you, if you are seeking first the kingdom, if you are focused on God and Him alone, you can't worry. You can't do those things at the same time. I promise you, just go test it. Truly, devote yourself to God's word and his direction, his will in your life. You can't. Then it might pop its head up, but it goes right back down because you you trust that God has, has put you there, that it's for your good. When things come that are quote, quote, bad, the problem times that we have, trials, God is doing something in my life. I shouldn't, really, I shouldn't even ask for it to be taken away. I should ask to show me, Lord, what you want to deal with in my life. Circumstances and things that we come. I read in the call to worship, and I don't know if you caught it. In Psalm 46. Be still. And know that I am God. When you write that, at least write it like I do, I am, put I am in capital letters. Know that I am Jehovah God. Be still. That means trust me. So I want to leave us with four things to focus on as worriers. Worriers, those that worry. Here are the four things, and they're based on the root problems. And there might be more, but I want to leave you with four because I think we can remember four. Focus on this. God's character. God's nature. Who He is. Meditate on Him. In His Word. To, To meditate on His character, you must know Him. To know Him, I must be in His Word and I must know His Son. Know Him. Meditate on Him. On His character. On the attributes of God. Secondly, the salvation it's in Christ the gospel to dwell on that salvation how he saves how he has saved what you now are what is your sure hope your eternal inheritance your union with Christ that in itself will blow you away just to concentrate on union with Christ, how He has brought us into union with the Son of God, the Word who was made flesh. He has now brought us in to where the Holy Spirit is indwelling within me. And how, what is Christ, He has given to me. That's that's mind blowing dwell on that next time you worry secondly I mentioned this earlier the providence of God give serious thought to this subject of the providence of God when the waves are strong and when the sea is bristling and you feel like you're going to go under the providence of God will lift you high to understand that He is in control and He knows where you are. That He is able to take care of the situation. Fourthly, and this may be the most important, is fatherhood. Fatherhood. God is now your God and your Father your heavenly Father, He cares for His children. Many of you, many of you have children. Jesus says, you who are evil, you guys, me, know how to take care of your children. How much more God, who has no evil in Him, can take care of you? Now, what if, now that child in his arms can't talk right now, but what if his daughter came up to him? Listen here, man. And he came up and he was crying when you came in the house. And she said, She was. And he said, What's wrong? Daddy, I don't know if you can provide for us anymore. I don't know if you'll be able to bring food home or if this house will stay together for tonight. What would you think? You would be grieved that. Your child thought you couldn't take care of the simple necessities. What do we do when we worry to our Heavenly Father? We do the same thing. So we grieve the heart of God. I do. When I think that He is unable to deal with my situation. But we need to remember that by His Holy Spirit, He dwells within me. That you, son or daughter, are beloved of God. In fact, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed, you are favored by God. Why would, why would we worry? Why should we worry? Why do we worry? Remember this, thinking about fatherhood. You are not forsaken. Ever. You are not abandoned. Never but another was forsaken and abandoned so that I could be pardoned and that you could be pardoned and never forsaken so that you could be forgiven and blessed of the Lord and held in his arms and brought into the fold safe and secure forevermore are you because of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus upon the cross and he ends this chapter with a friendly reminder in verse 34 in case you didn't hear it the first several times do not worry in case, in case you didn't get it this far so do not worry about tomorrow don't do it for tomorrow will care for itself each day has enough trouble I have enough trouble problems today to not bring tomorrows into today one day at a time he gives us grace for this day and tomorrow he'll give you grace for tomorrow but not not ahead of time Remember the manna that he told the children of Israel? Go gather for today. Eat it all. Don't gather for tomorrow. Tomorrow gather for that day. But remember that this exhortation, this whole sermon, Summer on the Mount, is for Christians. It's for believers. It's for those that are his disciples. Sons and daughters of God the Father brought in through Christ by the Holy Spirit but for those outside there is great worry and there is worry that should be there for tomorrow there is judgment and there is wrath that awaits those that will not turn who will not come in repentance and repent in some faith, and so if you stand in your sins, you stand in judgment. You stand in condemnation, unless you repent and believe upon Christ, believe upon His work upon the cross, there will be eternal punishment for millions of tomorrows. And that is the reality. But God made a way. God made a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And He calls to look to Him. To come to Me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is salvation in one name, and that is in Christ Jesus and Him alone. And He calls us to Himself. He calls us by His Gospel. And it's good news. Because He brings us into that family of God. And so believer, when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things that you need, He gives those too. It's like, here you go. Uh, I'll, here's some extras. The stuff you need, you know, it's cream on top. Because I'm seeking first Him. If you have salvation, then everything else He gives you is just cream on top. I don't need anything else (laughs) if you're saved by Jesus Christ you are blessed you are highly favored by God eternal life the believer who trusts completely in the Lord he or she does, does not live in anxiety does not need to he or she is waiting on the Lord still waiting upon the Lord Trusting His providence. In fact, the soul that is, and maybe you know someone like this, who trusts in the Lord through hard times and good times and all the time, the soul of that person, it's like there's a stamp on them that says, Made by Christ. Not made in the USA, but made in God's kingdom. That's why they're like that. God makes us like that. Child of God. Safe in the arms of Jesus. That's what you are if you're in Christ. Remember, it's in God we trust. It's stamped on our nation's currency. In God we trust. Faith means this I am trusting in another, not me. Not me at all. So when others are worrying, I'm going to leave you with this. When others are worrying, we ought to be singing. At the very least, praying. Trusting in God that He will deal with whatever we're going through, knowing that He will, trusting God with our whole life. Amen. Let's pray, <clears throat> Father. These are simple words, and to many of us, hard to follow at times. we have little faith father strengthen us develop in us a trust in you that is solid that sees your providence as as all encompassing that yes you have created the world and yes you've saved me by your grace and yes you will take care of me to the end and i have no need to worry Or to lack trust in my Savior. That I can be still and know that you are God. And the more that I think on your goodness. The less I will think about myself and my worries. And plead with you Lord to make us more like your son. Jesus didn't worry. He had much to worry about. if anyone had anything to worry about. He knew what was ahead of him. But he trusted everything to the Father, committing his soul to the Father. Lord, if you would take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will, is what he prayed. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting Father, thank you that you've shown us the the problem and you've shown us the answer. Teach us to walk in you, in your your faithfulness and in your trust and not into my own. Be with these persons here today, Lord. I pray that this word continues to fall into the crevices of their soul throughout this week. And may your Holy Spirit do much more than was done here this morning. If there's one that has not come to know you, Lord, I pray by your sovereign grace to draw them to yourself, to, Lord, to just plead with them to flee from the wrath of God that they would turn to you for salvation and faith. And you are just and righteous and merciful to grant that. That is our plea, Lord. We ask in the name of your Son. It's for his glory and his name. Amen.